Welcome to Thinking Like a Lawyer, with your hosts, Ellie Mistal and Joe Patrice, talking about legal news and pop culture, all while thinking like a lawyer, here on Legal Talk Network. Hello, welcome to another edition of Thinking Like a Lawyer. I'm Joe Patrice, and joined, as always, by Ellie Mistal. How are you this morning? I'm drinking seltzer. Yeah. I'm trying to be healthy. Right. I mean... Or am I trying to prepare my system for for Loco Seltzer, which is coming back, baby. Four Loco's coming back. 14% alcohol Water. seltzer. Yeah. That's going to be a thing, man. This is where we are in 2019. We're drinking alcoholic water. Calorie-free, baby. I mean, there are other ways to be calorie-free, but yeah. Well, and why would it be? Well, it wouldn't be calorie-free. The alcohol is still calories. (laughs) Like, that is still a sugar. You're just getting a mixer that's calorie-free. Almost calorie-free. I mean, that's a big almost. Um, (laughs) That seems to cut that you're that's covering a lot of territory there. I look, I don't think it's going to be people forget people who are old, who are younger than me probably do not have as much of a of a firsthand knowledge of the four loco craze that happened basically for a year in like 2009, 2010. Um, The thing about four loco is that it was alcohol infused at that point, uh, caffeinated beverages. And that was really the thing about the four loco that like fucked people up. It was the, you know, jolt of caffeine combined with, I think at that point, 12% alcohol that was like really, really making people kind of go nuts. Also, it was, but it didn't taste like it, right? Like I can make a rum and coke that has a lot of caffeine and a lot of alcohol, but people would absolutely, you know, people would feel that. For Loco, you weren't feeling it. Um, so you were just kind of up and like hyped and then, you know, in the morgue. Right. Um, I don't think the Four Loco seltzer, which as you pointed out, is really just a, a competitor to White Claw. Yes. Um, the, the argument is they've determined that a bunch of, you know, at the risk of being stereotypical, white women really enjoy White Claw, so they've decided to make this. <laughs> right. Because it's seltzer water, not caffeinated seltzer water, I don't think it's going to have the truly disastrous societal effects of the original Four Loco. No, I mean, they, well, there was no disastrous effects <laughs> to the original other than we got very excited about putting a band together on it, you know, because we can do that against something like this as opposed to guns. Right. So that's what you're excited about. Maybe you're not even angry at all today. No, I am still angry about something. Oh, good. I'm excited about the Four Loco. I am, I am pissed off at, I don't even know what to call these un-American jackasses. But okay. There's a story that went out on Twitter from Washington State. The cop pulled over, um, not pulled over, a cop uh, approached a car that was pulled over on the side of the road, seeing if the driver was in some kind of distress or whatever. Right. In fact, the driver was playing Pokemon Go. He had pulled over with his eight phones. He had an eight phone, like almost like an old school, like CD. Um, case only for phones and he was playing Pokemon Go on all eight phones. Because he was pulled over, as opposed to like playing them while he was driving, the cop had to let him go, although he encouraged him to put the phones away. Mm-hmm. And that's a problem for me because I want that man arrested. <laughs> 
having kids who play Pokemon Go and having to walk all the all around my goddamn neighborhood in the blazing hot August sun looking for stupid freaking Pokemon that are damaging society, damaging my children's brains on a whole different fucking level because they think that like enslaving, you know, magical creatures is like an okay thing. Right. But put that aside, I got to walk all across my neighborhood to find these goddamn Pokemon. And this motherfucker here is playing with eight phones, taking all the gyms, taking all the free balls. Yeah. Taking the Raichus that my kid still hasn't caught. Screw this dude. This dude needs to be like, not, you know, for a long time, but like, a good, you know, day in jail for this crap, I would have I would have supported. Ellie's angry that other people are getting balls that he's not, is what I took away from that. But he's driving around, right? So like he's literally he's driving to uh, an area that is full of Pokemons, then stopping his car, pulling over, pulling out his eight phone case, and taking it all from all the kids. Well, I it's know. It's a grown ass man. Well, right. I I, I don't know as though I think your sentiment is right. I don't know as though you've thought through some of the other aspects. If he's pulled over on a highway here, he's not taking it away from any kids. This is more of a fault of why are there Pokemon on a highway. Um, This is a place where you should not, and it should be, I don't understand why this person wasn't at least ticketed. I don't know about jail, the, the over-incarceration seems like a bad thing. But why this isn't a ticket, you aren't supposed to be pulling over willy-nilly on freeways unless you're, you know, in distress. I, I mean, From your version of the story, it sounds like that's what kind of road we're talking about, a highway at least. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't right. know Washington. Do they have highways in Washington State? I'm not Well, so, somewhere between their dirt roads, they've got something. Yeah, no. This is, so they have real roads. Um, if they are... The tweet just says, Sergeant Kyle contacted... Um, a vehicle on the shoulder this evening. Okay. I mean, but yes, you're not supposed to be pulling over unless you're in distress. And, you know, because that presents all sorts of dangers that we, do, we don't want people to, or helping somebody in distress, I guess you should, could be doing also, uh, because we don't want that. This is a problem with the game itself. Well, it's, it's also the distracted driving, right? I mean, like, well, the whole, right. like he... They oh, couldn't yeah. get him for distracted driving since he was physically stopped. Right. But one imagines that he had to at least be keep an eye on his phones to know where to pull over. Maybe. Although they, they make alerts, they ding and stuff. Like, I, I, I'm not altogether sure that's as big a problem as, you know, creating a traffic hazard by pulling over and getting out of your car. While, or maybe he didn't get out. I guess you could be close enough. But that's a problem. And I think it's a problem from the company's perspective that they have... They have Pokemon in places that are encouraging people to stop on the, on the shoulder of highways. Encouraging assholes, you mean? Well, I mean, I don't really care about that. Uh, you they, don't care about the moral angle, just the legal one. Your argument for the moral angle is that he's taking it from children, but my position is if it's along the shoulder of a highway, I actually don't necessarily think children should be getting that Pokemon either. Like, I, I don't want children to be pulling over on the si- side <laughs> of roads and getting out to try and get Pokemon. I think there's a more broad issue at play there. But that's a fair point, and I think it's probably something to be punished because the point of the game is to walk and, you know. Yeah, and explore you your surroundings yeah. and, you know, dehydrate your fucking father. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a good exercise. Yeah. So, with I that, don't know why I'm acting like I'm the one who does most of it. Like, I do I do one. My wife has my wife does, like, eight of yeah. these fucking trips. Right? Oh, so. right. I mean, oh, I assumed that right. that's what that was. Okay. <laughs> okay. 
so with that said, what we thought we would talk about, um, another sport uh, other than Pokemon training, we thought we would talk a little bit about sports this week because there have been some sports stories in the news, in the legal news, that we felt like we couldn't really cover in the pages of Above Law appropriately, so we've decided to discuss them here. What do you want to start with of our options? Well, let's start with the one that we did cover in Above the Law. Ah, yes. Um, because it involves the most odious university in the land. I mean, odious. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, so this is where the full disclosure comes in. You root to the extent you have a rooting interest in football anymore, and you don't because you don't watch football anymore, you say. Right. You say. So I stand uh, with Colin. Yeah. So, I say. Right. <laughs> he was allowed to play in college. Anyway, the point is uh, you root for Michigan, right. uh, which has a school to its south that is its rival. And that school, Ohio State University. Well, did you say it right, Joe? I, I believe I did say it right. But people from Ohio State will be quick to say that it's the Ohio State University because, you know, they're afraid there's some other entity that wants to horn in on that vaunted name. So in the in this you know, weird delusion that there's some sort of brand confusion out there. They refer to themselves as the Ohio State University. It's uh, I, I just want yeah, to we just need for to emphasize for non-college uh, football fans: there is an Ohio University, mm -hmm. and I'm University of Ohio. Yeah, sure. There have been people who have been confused between the University of Ohio and Ohio State University. The does nothing correct to assuage that confusion. Mm -hmm. so, yes, just, no, that is true. It's the state that was supposed to tip you off to which one is which. Yeah. So what we learned this week is that um, a, a patent and trademark attorney uh, brought to the world's attention by, you know, through his job filing around things that had been put into the U.S. Patent, tra patent Trademark Office, that the legal department of the, the Ohio State University had filed for a trademark on the word the – so it, for those of you who use the word the in your day-to-day -day parlance, it is in jeopardy uh, <laughs> because Ohio State wants to use the word the on their, their paraphernalia, and they want to have a trademark on anything that just says the word the. the yeah, exactly. They, they, they want to sell apparel with just the word the on it because the is supposed to let you know that it, we're talking about the Ohio State University, and that's why they want the trademark on what I believe is the most common word in the English language. It is. It is, in fact, the most common word in the English right. language. Even beyond the, the – there are other universities that use the quite prominently in their you know nickname or mascots, whatever. Yeah. What springs to mind is the U. Yes. Now, if you're not a college football fan, you might think there are quite a few U's in this country. But if you're a college football fan, you probably know that the U refers to the University of Miami. Yes. You could sell a T-shirt with the U on it and put it in, you know, appropriately orange and, and popsicle color, uh, creamsicle colors, and people would know what you were talking about. Exactly. There is a brand identification with that logo and the way in which that logo, which is a U, that means the U. And that is a thing that has developed some market awareness. What has not is a block capital word the <coughs> randomly on a shirt, right. uh, which is why this is a ridiculous claim. But, you know. Can, we'll I, can we talk about the excellent trolling of Michigan? We, we can. We can now turn to. Uh, that. 
So Michigan, not to allow their rivals to make a fool of themselves without joining in, uh, chose to send out an official tweet uh, with a picture that looks like a logo that they're creating that has their, you know, U of M thing, but with the words of capitalized. <laughs> and then they sent this picture out with the wor- with the letters TM. <laughs> it was glory, a glorious trolling of the poor people in the Ohio State University legal department. Yeah, so this is, this is though, I'm going to say a little bit more indicative of a bigger problem that's yes. going on, which is... I just want to, before, yeah, we, get, before we go... Before we get problem, serious. I just want to point out that Michigan consistently whoops Ohio State in every facet except for the actual football part. Except for the actual football part. The academics, that, their legal department, <laughs> their basketball team, it's just the actual football games that Michigan still has problems with. So with yeah. the, sorry, so I just want to put that out, but you're right. There there is a larger issue here that right. is worth which surfacing. is which is intellectual property kind of abuse and this idea that there's it's it's getting out of hand and we see it a lot with these copyright and patent trolls who just try to throw something in and then go after somebody for a largely specious uh, in infringement uh, and try to extort people basically to pay out because the law has reached a point where it's so broad that they can they feel they can get away with that. And these sorts of folks exist and part of that world is what Ohio State wants to do is it's not even clear whether or not they want to make the apparel as much as they want to stop anybody from using the word the with red on it because then that might be something that they feel they should be getting paid for. Right. It's not, it's not exactly. It's not just that Ohio State wants to make dumbass T-shirts. Mm-hmm. It's that they want to stop anybody else from making dumbass T-shirts. They want to stop anybody else from making dumbass memes. They want to stop anybody else from, from making dumbass gifts. Um, and they feel like this is – they, they're, they're trying to abuse intellectual property law in order to accomplish this. And Ohio State, the Ohio State, is not nearly the only people who do this. Part of it is internet culture where what you have is corporate interests realizing that there is money to be made in memeing and gifting and, you know, and, and the pictorial representations of what you're trying to talk about. And they want their cut is really all this is. And the law has not... advance is not the right word, developed quickly enough to understand that these corporate interests are actually, are not making legitimate good faith claims in order to protect brand integrity. They're just trying to, as uh, you might hear in The Godfather 2, they're just trying to wet their beak into somebody else's business. Yeah. And, well, I guess at this point we should um, – that's fair. We should transition at this point to the other intellectual property sports story of the week. Uh, you want to let us in on the uh, Philly Fanatic. So the Philly Fanatic is a mascot for – and full disclosure time, I'm a Met fan. Um, so fuck the Philly Fanatic. Yeah, you've actually – you're actually <laughs> adverse to everybody we chose to talk about today. What a, what a, what a fucking coincidence. Um, the Philly Fanatic is – a mascot that debuted in 1979. It is some kind of furry duck-like animal thing that jumps around at the Philly Stadium, first Veteran Stadium, and now Lincoln Financial Field. No, citizen. I forget which one they call their 
goddamn stadium now. Anyway, struts around at Philly games, kind of playing games with the fans, getting into fake fights with other players, whatever. He's a mascot. The point of the Philly Fanatic is that whenever you think of like a modern mascot, the Philly Fanatic is one of the first, one of the one of the OG of what modern mascotry has become. Okay, fine. Philly Fanatic was made by a couple, commissioned by the Phillies to conceive of it um, in 1979. Um, they were paid something like $4,000 for the trademark, which reverted to the Phillies. But the the GM at the time didn't want to pay them $1,300 for the copyright as well. So the Phillies got the copyright, but left the trade. Sorry, got the trademark, but left the copyright with the couple who created the Fanatic. Okay, fast forward to like 1985, and the Fanatic is a huge thing. And then they're like, mm, I should have probably bought that copyright. So instead of buying the copyright for thirteen hundred dollars, they buy the copyright for two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, paid to the couple, which then gives the Philly the Phillies copyright over the Fanatic quote. Forever. Well, and now are they are they buying the copyright or are they buying a license to use this copyright forever? Exactly. Right. right? By giving them this license to for, forever, that as people who listen to the show hopefully know, unless you're a zero L, forever is not really a legal term. <laughs> it, it tends not to be a legal term. No. You know, perpetuity is not in perpetuity. <laughs> Um, we have rules about it, perpetuity, right? Forever is not a legal word. So if I'm reading a contract that says I have a license to this thing forever, I'm thinking like, well, it ain't really forever. And that's apparently what the couples thought. It is kind of standard practice, standard procedure in copyright law um, that after 35 years, Artists have the opportunity to go back and renegotiate their copyright license. This makes a lot of sense, right? If you are Michael Jackson and you you make Thriller and you sell it for a song, you know, no pun intended, 35 years later, it's fucking Thriller. Right. You know, you should have an opportunity to be like, all right, all right, Sony, maybe I should get a little bit more money for your continued use, that's the other thing, right? 35 years later, if the copyright is still being continually used, that's a good indication that it has present day value that could not have really been kind of conceived of 35 years prior. So 35 years later, here we are in 2019, and the couple which has made the Philly fanatic wants their copyright back, or more likely wants the Phillies to pay them at this point millions of dollars to license the copyright for another 35 years. Mm -hmm. The Phillies don't want to pay it. Um, and so there is a chance, probably a good one, that the Philly fanatic will become a free agent with a couple saying that they are willing to sell the copyright to any other team, sports bar, you know, whatever, who wants to buy the copyright, wants to license the copyright um, to the fanatic. I mean, you know what the ultimate troll would be? The Mets should buy the Fanatic. Not not as a mascot, I mean to relief pitch. <laughs> That's kind of the ultimate troll of the Mets, you jackass. We've <laughs> see, won see like 19 of like the last 22 you, games. You have. We're on the come. Yeah. Um, it would be quite trolling for the Mets to buy the Fanatic just as a and just put it like make it like Mr. Mets's pet. Yeah. Um, would kind of be my favorite thing. The Mets are historically cheap, so I, I doubt that's going to happen. But yeah, it is. And I started the story where I did because it all goes back to 1979 and this 
miserly fucking GM not willing to pay an artist, a creator, an extra $1,300. Yep. Yeah. The Fanatic is one of those one of those mascots. If I recall the history correctly, it was kind of concocted after they decided that the San Diego chicken was getting super popular and they wanted some kind of a response. So they just threw some money around and said, eh, throw something together and did not want to pay for it. And these the couple they found, I mean, it wasn't like they found just some random people oh, no, off, they're, off the street. They were they're uh, they were, you know, puppet makers. They work for the Henson, um, yeah. the Jim Henson. They helped create studio, Miss Piggy. Right? Like yeah. these are these were not and I, I I point out their qualifications also to point out that like people who make art are talented. Yeah. Right? They have they're professionals. They have skills and this is how they make money. So when you try to like screw them out of like a couple of bucks, like not only is it again miserly and corporate, like they're gonna try to find a way to fuck you, right? Like they're gonna, they're not gonna forget that. Yeah. So Yeah, no. Um that GM is I'm probably dead, but he's certainly long been, you know, long gone. But the Phillies are now still paying for his mis- well either will pay for his mistakes. Um, or will lose their lose their popular little furry whatever. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Philadelphia's going to be fine because Philadelphia has Gritty now. Well, that's the thing. They would have to retcon Gritty's origin because I believe part of Gritty's origin is that he's related to the Fanatic. So. Oh, is it? Yeah. I mean, I think that's in the official backst- the canon backstory for uh, that. Transitioning to other ways that people aren't paid. Yes. So uh, there was yet another court decision, uh, again, where from the Ninth Circuit, where a lot of these have been heard, that has made the determination that athletes shouldn't be, college athletes don't deserve to get paid. So. And just for full disclosure, um, I'm a fan of the Second Circuit, so fuck no. I'm just. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, no, I, uh, in this instance, it was a slightly different argument than some of these others. College athletes had big success in the Ninth Circuit, uh, at least the district level, uh, with the argument that selling their likenesses to places like EA to make video games, that that is something that they deserve some recognition for, that you can't be selling their license. And that is ultimately what drove EA from the market of making college video games, because rather than, you know, throw money at them, they decided to cancel one of their bigger franchises. So, which should be coming out this week, if they if EA was just it would have been a few weeks ago. I was just willing to pay if they were just willing to pay the athletes a little bit of money for using their likeness, we would still have EA college football. But the argument in this case was slightly different. This argument was, and what's going on is a lot of people are making a lot of very different arguments on why athletes deserve to be paid uh, in different court actions. This is a interesting different angle uh, that a USC linebacker came up with, and uh, it failed, much like USC's defense over the last couple of years. And what it does, his argument was that there's a minimum, like minimum wage requirements should apply, and that yes, we get scholarships and all, but when you divide out what we're being given for the amount of work that we are performing at the behest of the school, then we should be getting our be getting more. Uh, so it's not going for the millions like some of these cases are. It was actually a much more refined argument about how they deserve some more money. Ultimately, the problem for this case was the problem that befalls a lot of these arguments, which in how these schools get away with a lot of this, is it's hard to tell who you're supposed to be suing. 
are you going after the school? Well, the school might be willing to pay you, but the NCAA tells them they can't pay people. And then so you're going after the NCAA. Well, the NCAA doesn't really have any kind of privity of contract with these players. We're just a nonprofit rulemaking organization. Is it the conference that has all of the agreements as far as that's actually making all the money off of this stuff rather than school? Like, so it's unclear who to go after. Ultimately, here, yeah. Here they went after the conference. Here the, the conference and the NCAA. Right. And ultimately it got kicked on the... Well, it's not their vote. Yeah, yeah, well, they, they said that the, the conference and, and the NCAA were not employers yep. under the California minimum wage law, which is another way that they are able to screw over athletes. That they, by the classification, all, all the things that one would think of that are work, that, that, are, that are the indices of working for somebody, is what student athletes have to do. But all of the indices that would indicate that a person isn't an employer, generally universities are able to to avoid. Um, sorry, certainly the, the conferences in the NCAA are able to avoid when it comes to college athletics. Mm-hmm. The employer in those situations, if any, is going to be the university itself, not the conference. But as Joe just said, the university then just turns around and says, "Like, oh, we'd love to pay them a minimum wage." Unfortunately, uh, these guys, yeah, yeah, you know, the NCAA. What, what do you want us to do? Yeah, it's a Kafkaesque um, circle of. You can't ever find the person. You can't ever find the person who was both in charge of making the rules that you can't get paid and in charge of not paying you at the same time. Right. That that's how they've kind of set up the system. So the show House, one of the recurring gags on Ooh. House, was always it's the, lupus. It's lupus, and it's like it's not lupus. Uh, the the guess was that that was the cause of whatever the affliction was, and it wasn't lupus. You don't want to say like Rico is the word is the word in law that you don't want to say because it's not really Rico. Pope Hat. Well, you say Rico right. three times. Pope Hat shows up on your Twitter right, feed. Exactly. It's bad news. But you know when you have organizations that hide who's actually doing things in a way to avoid prosecution, that is what that's all about. Um, and it becomes it, at least Rico adjacent. <laughs> So, yeah, no, it, it, it's unfortunate. And I mean, there are benefits to college athletics that, that go beyond money. But listen, if you want to have and, and when people what bugs me or when people try to make the argument like, well, you know, they're what about these other sports and their money and whatever? And it's like, sure. And those sports, you know, don't fill don't have like twenty six million dollar. TV contracts. And that's the part. If you want to run a sport where the people who buy tickets to the stadium is the only revenue that's going on, then maybe you don't pay the players. But at the point that you're selling out their TV contracts and stuff, you're now making gratuitous money off of them. I'm amenable. I don't know that I fully agree with that. I'm amenable to that. I'm also amenable to just, well, just then pay all all the athletes, pay every student athlete a minimum wage right. a thing. You know, I was on work study when mm-hmm. I was in school. Yep. For those who weren't, like work study is, yeah, you get loans from, from, from the government, but you have there are certain jobs that you have to do term time in order to kind of earn the stipend part of your work study, right? You know, people did dorm crew. That's cleaning up people's dorm rooms and toilets, right? I worked in a library. Like there were there were there were various work study jobs. How in the fuck is playing football or basketball not a work study job, right? Yeah. Like it's it's the, I mean, no, theoretically, those kids aren't getting loans because they're getting full rides. But yeah, 
or or many of them are anyway. I'm right, but right. exactly the point, right? Like I can make myself a little bit of extra money while I'm a college student by cleaning toilets mm-hmm. or working in the library, but I can't make myself a little bit of extra money by playing football. It, it makes no sense. And at some point, like what has been clear, and, and one of the things that this case I think shows again is that the courts are not going to be the ones to ultimately stop it. Mm -hmm. So it's really going to take government intervention. And whenever you talk about government intervention, you have people saying, oh, these politicians have way more important things to do than worry about what happens. Man, first of all, they ain't doing shit right now, just at the moment, right? Congress and the Senate are gridlocked. They're not, nothing's actually happening, right? Mm -hmm. B, like, it is an important problem, not just for the lower income students that these universities exploit, but you're talking about a billion dollar industry that is based on unpaid labor of young people. That should be offensive to the consciousness of the country. Yeah. And it's going to take actual elected officials to make it to make a change to it, which means it's going to take actual like voters to demand that their elected officials make the change to it. And I kind of don't know why that is, why why there isn't that, because the people who are most who most care about college sports are very wealthy people who are fans of universities that are going to be able to freaking pay, yeah. right? The Ohio State already doesn't have a problem, certainly won't have a problem in the future of purchasing the top talent. If you want to, if, um, if you're a Michigan fan and you want to beat Ohio State like ever, like the th- only thing that you can think of to do is like, maybe I can go buy some players from Florida as opposed to having to try to I, recruit I, them. I don't think the problem is recruiting with the, in this instance. But. I'm going to say the problem is recruiting. That's okay. that's what I'm going to say because yeah. Jim Harbaugh is a great great man. He's certainly a great advocate of public interest, of legal, aid. legal aid. Yeah. My point is that college football and college basketball fans usually support large universities that will easily weather the storm mm. of having to pay athletes either a little or a lot. That's not going to hurt the product on the field, as they say. The people who are most likely to get hurt from this from a pay to play kind of situation are smaller universities and you know right. whatever at which point it's like well to me it's okay and maybe not everybody's going to mm-hmm. agree with me to me it's okay if like you have one level of college sports you could call that i don't know division, division one, 1 yeah that is playing for national championships and their players are getting paid lots of money whatever and then a second division of college sports perhaps division 2 or 3 where their players are truly playing just for the love of the game and the blah 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 yeah right? i mean make it contingent on what the schools are actually bringing in if they bring in 800 million dollars then divide up and say 25% of that has to go to the people who were responsible for that or whatever it is but something and then pay and then pay all the, and then that's why I was saying earlier and then pay all the players you know pay pay the soccer players pay the baseball I mean, players I'm even players, cool like, not I'm even cool not doing that like and you can say 75% of it goes to supporting those other sports and if those other sports also get on TV, then, you know, they get a share of that. But we can safely recognize that certain sports are getting more of the revenue without using that as a cudgel. Because one of the things that Title IX point is that this is often used as a bad excuse for not paying people is, well, we can't pay football because then we would have to cut all the women's sports that don't make money. And that's not true. You could easily say you don't need 
$30 million a year to maintain your, you know, your sports program. Well, no, 30, maybe you do. But the, the massive amounts of money that they're getting, you don't need all of that to do that. And nor do the players need to be paid like NFL players to exactly. do what they're doing. But you can give <laughs> the players involved some cut of that. I mean, so, and you do it already. You're paying these p- coaches we're, we're, $12 million. I was about to say, we're not even saying pay the players as much as the coaches. Right. Right. We're still letting you pay your coaches $10 million a goddamn year. The other thing. So there's yeah. that. Yeah. The the, other, yeah. I was just going to say, like, this whole argument. Oh, well, then we wouldn't have any money for the women's teams. It's like you're already giving the coaches millions. Right. The other bullshit part of this point, and this is where I thought at some point the courts might stop them and mm. they just decide to not. We can kind of debate and talk about the structure of how to pay the players and da da da. The fact that there are people in this country who are not allowed to make money off of their likeness, that are not allowed to make money off that other outside the university system entirely, that other people, sponsors, are willing to pay for them, that we just won't allow them to get that money and still let them practice their sport. That's that's just fucked. That that has no basis in law or morality well, or and- ethics, right? Like the, if if I if I'm a college student and I'm really good at playing the piano and yeah. the New York Philharmonic wants to give me, you know, ten thousand dollars to come give a concert while I'm a student. Not only can I go take the ten thousand dollars to do the concert, my university is gonna clap for me and be very happy, and then I'm gonna go back and be able to like march in the goddamn band. Like there's there's yeah. gonna be no fucking problem, right? So the fact that you know a high level pro athlete, uh, sorry, a college athlete who is trying to go pro can't hire an agent. Yeah, can't. I mean, think about that. They can't hire a lawyer. Yeah. According to these rules. So so the inability for the star players to just go make the money not from the university that is just out there waiting for them, that is some of the biggest bullshit in the world. Yeah, and I mean, I can kind of see the argument of restricting their access to agents on only on the grounds that uh, – tease this out a little bit. If you had an unrestricted control over your own likeness, then – Right now, the school controls the likeness, and the school took all the money. Uh, that's what the case that's been going on out there has, you know, raised questions about, which ultimately led to EA having to stop making video games about this. But and so that was a good argument. But there's an argument that likeness is such a loose thing. You don't want a situation where the wealthy booster says, "Oh, I'm gonna put your face on a T-shirt," and therefore gives you gives one player millions of dollars to go to a school and get around the usual recruiting violence. You know, there are reasons why that could be problematic, but that's a reason why the school should be forced in a very fiduciary way, like in a fiduciary role. They should have to act as those people's agents in good faith, subject to all fiduciary kind of responsibilities. And they should be able to, the school should be in a position to say, well, that's a bullshit deal. You can't take it because that's illegal. That that's against the rules generally. But EA making a video game, we will be your agent. We negotiated. It's going to be this much. Here's your cut of that. Like I can see that world, so that you can preserve the. You don't want you know a car dealership in in Dallas and Fort Worth somehow making TCU the or SMU the greatest team ever, like they did back in the right. day, and getting Pony the, Express right. But uh, but you can do something. No, I I see that point, yeah. but but I'm but I think that the way to deal with that point is to actually pay the players. So I, oh I, yeah, I like, agree. I, yeah. I'm I'm full on like you should pay the players, 
And if you pay the players, then I understand not letting them do these other things. Right. My point is simply that if you're not even going to pay them, then both not right. paying them and not allowing them to make the money that they could make on right. their own. Oh, yeah. That's – Yeah. No, <laughs> That does not – we do not do that to any other person in our society, really. Right. Except for big-time college football and basketball athletes. Right. And it's ostensibly for this parody argument but it or, or fairness argument, uh, but it, it just isn't. We don't do that to it isn't babies. Working. We yeah. don't do that to – if a baby can go out and make $10,000 from Gerber, we let that baby go make $10,000. Right. Again – We hold the money for 18 years, but we let that baby go make $10,000. Again, the, the, the point, though, is the competitor is preventing one school from having enough outspending people. So I get why there are restrictions on being able to give money, but you got to do something here. No, yeah. if if knockoff Gerber wants to compete, they can go hire the right. best babies. Right, but it's but it's, the point is that <laughs> it's not a, a it's not a competitive league, and you can't you aren't charged with trying to maintain competitive equality. I'm with you there. Yeah, yeah, but but yes, even with those rules do exist. I get that, but you need to do something to help out. Anyway, all right. With that, we've we've gone on for Sports. quite some time. Yeah, it's a long one. Thanks, everybody. We may not be uh, hitting your box next week because it's Labor Day. Um, so we won't be uh, necessarily in there. We might uh, put something and together somebody's short for Somebody's going you. away. Well, right. Um, the ILTA conference, the International Legal Technology Association's comp- annual conference is happening. And so that's another reason we might not be in a position to record. Uh, we'll be there and meeting and hearing about some cool legal tech stuff to, you know, streamline the process of the legal practice. So we'll do that. Uh, We'll have some stories when we get back about that. In the meantime, you should read Above the Law. You should subscribe to this podcast, give it reviews, give it more than just stars, write something about how cool it is. That way that triggers things in the algorithm to make more people listen to it. You should follow at L-E-N-Y-C and at Joseph Patrice on Twitter. You should be listening to the rest of the offerings of the Legal Talk Network and uh, the Jabot, which is our other Above the Law podcast. And I already said read Above the Law, but do that. uh, Also do that. And, yeah, follow at ATL blog, too, which is the official Above the Law account. Cool. With everything said, that's it. Peace. If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. You can also find us at AboveTheLaw.com, ATLRedline.com, iTunes, RSS, Twitter, and Facebook. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.